Understanding how to live by faith, not by works. Most people do not understand how to live by faith because they do not fully understand how faith expresses itself in the world. We know doing works will not save us, but we also know we are not vegetables. Christians are required to work. It is difficult to imagine the work we do is irrelevant. We are instructed to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and house the homeless. It is impossible to do this unless we expropriate the wealth of others or do the work ourselves. But perhaps this is not a good way of thinking about the situation. We are not to be unequally yoked with the unbeliever and the man who does not look after his own family is worse than the unbeliever. In short, a lot of factors need to be considered when considering what it means to work in faith. It has always been difficult for fallen man to understand why a person who consistently does good things is not saved by his virtue. A Christian learns to understand the issue as being one of faithfulness contrasted by autonomy of the spirit. In one case the person depends on the nature of God, in the other he depends solely on his own abilities. A man passes by thousands of women during his lifetime and marries one. He is not credited with passing all these other women by. This is an expectation. But he is considered unfaithful if he but cheats one time with one woman. That he was virtuous the other 9,999 times is immaterial. So it is with God, perfection is not a matter of achieving a high percentage of good works or earning merit. Total virtue is the minimum expected, anything less than that is failure. Nor does it matter if one was unfaithful fewer times than one's peers were. Salvation is not a contest. But this understanding poses a problem few have dived deep into. If we are not saved by works, that is, by being faithful, then why be faithful? This is not just an issue noted by Christians, it is a point often raised by atheists. In their understanding a man can convert to Christianity and then do whatever he wishes, simply because he repents each time he does something wrong. Now a Christian knows this is not repentance. Being serially unfaithful whilst begging forgiveness only gets a person so far. At some point the wrong spouse realizes the sorrow is superficial and the repentance an act. Yet, it would be wise to note that baptism and prayers of repentance are technically works. They are of the same order as a pilgrimage to Mecca or performing the sign of the cross. So, so far as works goes, all religions are on the same page. Technically, this dependency on works is termed legalism. Religions rely on the law to regulate the works of their followers. And, indeed this is manifested in all Adamic works. From secular governments to the world's religions and all organizations, the leaders establish laws that the base must follow. All human organizations are ethical and law-based. Ethical systems are work-based systems because following the law results in works being done. Moral systems are faith-based. We need to think of faith as trust. The which we have faith and we trust. So, faith-based systems are trust-based. Morality is about living in trust. We need to trust others if we are to have faith in them. A person might make the argument that to have faith is to live without evidence, and this is true but irrelevant. 
Secularists are quick to point out that living in faith is living without evidence. This is not so but even were it true the fact is irrelevant. Secularists live without evidence for their faith also. The difference is that science proves to them that the faith they have in the physical world is baseless. There are no guarantees in secularism. All the molecules in the air could suddenly move to one corner of the room or just disappear. No possibility is impossible, and no possibility is guaranteed. Secularists never actually know anything other than that nothing is certain. The life of a secularist is lived in baseless hope. In the church we are required to trust one another. It is not possible to have faith in God if we do not have faith in the people of God. But how to have faith in those whom we do not trust? It is not that we think evil of people, as Christians, we understand sin. This is why the church exists. The mission of the church is to increase faith, that is the trust we have in each other. To build the church is to increase faith. This is partially fulfilled by increasing the quantity of Christians, what is less understood is the need to increase the quality of Christians. Many equate this with the feeding of the flock with the words of God. But as Christians, we are required to do more than just learn about the words of God in order to build the church. To live in faith and not by works or the flesh is to live by a different standard than obedience to the law. We require something more to guide us. This is the church. To build the church is to build faith is to build the means by which we live in faith. We mentioned building the church is more than increasing the bodies in buildings, we need to increase the quality of those who call themselves Christians. And while many equate this to teaching Christians the gospel, the words of the Great Commission inform us that we must teach the believer to obey everything I have commanded you. Matt 28, 19-20 Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This would hardly be controversial, but Jesus taught his disciples to be servants, not masters, to be his brothers and to share all things in common. We were also told not to take one another before the secular authorities, and many other things. The most important being that there is a division in the world, and we cannot serve two masters. But of course, the most important requirement of all is the requirement to live in faith. To build the church in faith is to build up trust in each other. This actually means something. Imagine if we had no faith in others. We would live as a forager and as a subsistence hunter-gatherer. There would be little incentive to amass wealth as that would engender envy and make one the target of those who wanted what you have. If what you have could easily be made or obtained by others, the marginal utility for violence is reduced. Why would a neighbor risk injury stealing what you have, if what you have is easily made by anyone? To amass wealth is an expression of trust in your neighbors. Those who attempt to create economic development in third-world nations rarely understand most people are poor because they live in neighborhoods in which rapin is the natural order of things. Only when ownership is respected, can the accumulation of wealth proceed. It is only in a community of faith that wealth will be accumulated. 
What this means is that the value of a community can be used as a measure of the faith of a community. To build the church is to build the real value of the congregation. The equivalence may not be comprehended, but it is real our faith defines the degree of our engagement. Those we hate or mistrust we do not deal with. No one will invest hundreds of millions of dollars into a facility he believes is likely to be burned to the ground because of cultural hated. We may not trust or like a capitalist, but if we become consumed by this hate, we end up destroying ourselves. The task of the church is to turn hate into faith, which is why the world hates the church and its gospel. It is not just the message it hates, it is the impact of living a Christian life on the ability of the secular world to exist. To trust one another there has to be transparency. If I claim a product is worth a certain price or that I did a certain amount of work, this value must be visible. Our value cannot be subjective, because over time doubt and deceit will creep in and the church will destroy itself by accusations and recrimination. The a priorian exchange is a mission to build trust in the church and by this means increase the value of the church. The first step to faith is to divest oneself of assets. Assets are the goods piled in the barn in preparation for an uncertain future. In economic terms assets are commercial property, but anything that is surplus to what is needed for personal use ought to be considered an asset or property capable of generating income. Assets are donated to the exchange. This is a mission set up by the local church to increase the faith of members. All donations are credited with a deposit to the member's account in the exchange. If assets valued at $5,000 are deposited with the exchange, the exchange credits the member's account with 5,000 preferred share units, called prefers. Prefers are a unit of account and used as a local currency. Work done by members is paid for with a deposit to the member's account. Purchases are made by debits to the member's account. New businesses are established by transferring capital to the new business with the transfer being recorded as a debit to the account of the new business and a credit to the source of the donation. It makes sense to have everyone working and it benefits the exchange to have everyone working at the job they do best. Because the worker always receives his wages and every purchase is covered by a debit, trust in each other is maximized. We can live in faith because doubt has been assuaged in the mechanics of the church, properly formed.